You're listening to the Avenue Church Podcast. Our desire is that this message will inspire you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. For more info and to connect with us, visit us online at theavenuechurch.com. Thanks for listening. Today, I want to talk about the idea of why do we make a difference, or how do we make a difference, or should we make a difference? And I think we could all agree that there are a lot of things in our world today that we wish were different. There's a lot of issues facing our world today that we wish we could change, and we wish uh, they would be different. And here's the thing. God has called the church to step into the mess. God has called the church to step into the chaos and into the issues and into the things that we wish were different. He has called us into those things to make a difference. I believe that. I believe that we can do that. I believe that as individuals, as followers of Jesus, and as a church, we can make a difference. And so how do we do that? There are so many issues facing our world. You have to uh, understand that um, before the internet, um, which I don't really remember, I'm only 19, and so the internet has been a part of my life um, from from the get-go. But before the internet, it was pretty clear how you made a difference. I mean, you joined the PTO at your, uh, your kid's school, you were a member of the Lions Club, or you were a Rotarian, and it was pretty easy how you made a difference in your community. But today, in our world today, there are so many issues right in our face all the time, and we are supposed to care and have an opinion about everything. It's difficult. The the, the way forward in making a difference is difficult right now because you can start a a campaign or a nonprofit for anything, and then you're asked as a volunteer or as a a contributor to to give and to serve and to to show up and to make a difference. Um, There are so many... Um, school fundraisers. I mean, we all love those, right? By the way, four years ago, I paid for some snickerdoodle cookies and I paid like 38 bucks for snickerdoodle cookies and I never got them. But unfortunately, I don't remember who I bought them from. So if it was you, I haven't forgot. I don't want those snickerdoodle cookies. I want some fresh ones. And Crumble just opened across the street. I'd love some Crumble snickerdoodle cookies if that was you. But there are so many issues that we are supposed to care about and supposed to have an opinion about, and they're good issues. I mean, there are issues that really um, are real in our world. So I'm not belittling the issues or the campaigns or the, 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 the nonprofits. I'm not belittling those things. I'm just saying there are so many things in our face all the time. And how do we as a church and how do we as followers of Jesus make a difference in a world that, man, just everything is on fire and everything's an issue and everything needs to be solved? As we get started today, I want to reaffirm the idea that the church's mission is to be a gift to the world. We, as the Avenue Church and every church in our community and every church across the world who worships Jesus, we are to to be a gift, to be a blessing, to make a difference in our world. I believe this. I believe that we can do this, but I believe that we have to move forward and the path forward of making a difference begins with what happens as a church. Today, we're gonna look at uh, a man named Simon Peter. Simon Peter was one of the inner uh, circle disciples of Jesus, one of the, the three closest to Jesus during Jesus' earth, earthly ministry. And Simon Peter, uh, he was a bit of a knucklehead, honestly. He was a mess. Uh, the day he met Jesus, he was fishing. That was his, his trade. That's what he did every day. And he was fishing all night one night, and he didn't catch anything. And then Jesus uh, goes out to meet him in the boat. And as Jesus comes up, he goes, you know, how's it going? He's like, I haven't caught anything. He says, well, just throw your net on the other side. Pretty simple solution. And, and as sure enough, as Simon Peter throws his net on the other side of the boat, uh, 
uh, he, he, his nets begin to break because they're so full of fish. So if you're not a good fisherman, God can use you too. That, that's me. I'm not a good fisherman. Simon Peter is also the guy who wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet the night before Jesus uh, was handed over to be crucified. It was customary at a mill, um, people would show up without shoes and they would kind of lay next to each other. They didn't have dining room tables or any of that type of thing. So they would just kind of lay on the floor, lounge on the floor next to each other and they would eat. And so you're right next to other people's feet. There's no pavement, no concrete. You're walking on dirt roads or you're riding a donkey all day. And so it was very customary. If you showed up to a dinner, there would be a servant there hired to wash your feet. And at this dinner, the last supper, um, there was no servant there to, to uh, wash the feet of the disciples. And so Jesus, he takes a towel and he starts washing the disciples' feet. But when he comes to Peter, Peter's like, no, you're never gonna do that for me. You know, you're, you're, you're Jesus. You're not gonna um, mess with washing my feet. So he wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet. The next day when Jesus is uh, betrayed and handed over to the Roman soldiers, uh, Peter is right behind him. He takes out his sword and he's going for the guy's neck, but he hits his ear and the guy's ear is cut off. Jesus is like, dude, what are you doing? That's not what we're about here. To go further, Jesus says, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I would never deny you. I know who you are and I'll never, I have the confidence, I have the boldness. I'm never going to deny you. Sure enough, he's asked three times and he denies Jesus three times. This guy was a mess. But something happens about 30 years later, after Jesus' resurrection, after Peter experiences the resurrection of the man who said he was going to come back from the grave, Peter writes a letter to a church in modern-day Turkey. And I want to pick up um, you know, this, this letter. It's to a church who's facing hostility. It's to a church who, uh, the, as Christians, they were not very well-liked. They, they were viewed with suspicion. And there was good reason to be suspicious about this group of Christians. They were kind of small in number, but they had like a really vocal and, and visible presence in the world. And they just wouldn't go away. It didn't matter what you did to them. If you persecuted, persecuted them with words, they wouldn't go away. They wouldn't shut up. If you persecuted them with harm, physical harm, they continued to profess the things that they believed in. And the Romans, they really uh, saw the Christians as a threat. They saw them as a threat for a few reasons. The first reason was they thought that the Christians were superstitious and they had these magical and uh, mystical abilities. I mean, they, they had this chief magician who could do uh, miracles and he could bring people back to life. And then he brought himself back to life. I mean, who is the guy? Uh, David Blaine, Houdini? No, it's Jesus. So they thought that they were this superstitious group and they didn't know what was going on with them and they didn't know their secrets and they didn't know their mysteries. They also thought that they were incestuous because they, the Christians in the first century, they had gathered for love feasts and they would take their brothers and sisters to the love feasts. Aren't you glad we don't call church a love feast? <laughs> it's kind of weird. We just say, hey, come to church or come to the worship experience or come to the service, not a love feast. But they would go to these love feasts with their brothers and sisters and uh, the Roman citizens, the outsiders, they didn't know what was happening at the love feast, but they would come out and they would be full of joy and peace and like, man, what in the world is going on with these people? Weirdos. They also thought that they were cannibals because their master, there was this rumor that he had told uh, the Christians in the first century to remember him by eating his flesh and drinking his blood. So these Christians in the first century, they were viewed with hostility and suspicion and for good reason. 
But they also had this visible presence and this vocal presence in the world um, that was also attractive. That, that people on the outside of the church would look in and say, man, they, they take care of each other. And there's like all the belongings belong to each other. And it's not like my stuff and your stuff, it's just their stuff. So there's this attractive nature of what was happening in the first century church as well. So what is the community here in Waxahachie or in Ennis or Ellis County? What do they say about us? How do they view the Avenue Church in our community? Um, one thing that the, the Christians in the first century didn't do, they didn't uh, just go along with the secular age and the, the way of thinking. They were viewed as different because their beliefs were different and their values were different and their standard of living was different. They just lived differently. And if that's not true of us, then, then how come you know, we're viewed with grace and we're viewed with favor? That's the, the point I want to dive into today. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 15. The promise of God for the church to make a difference in the world comes down to applying this to your life. And you're going to love this verse, I promise you. 1 Peter 2, 15, it says, For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. That's an amazing mission that we're invited to be a part of. What a good goal that we as a church are invited to live such good lives that we would silence the ignorance of foolish people. That we would live such good collective lives and individual lives that the world would see what is happening inside the church and say, that's good. I'm gonna leave the foolishness of the world and I want to be a part of whatever God is building through the church. The will of God, maybe you've asked yourself this before, what is God's will? What is God's plan? And let me just reassure you that God has a plan for each and every one of us. No matter what you're going through, and maybe today you don't feel like the, the plan is unfolding in the way that you would like it to, but God has a plan. And part of his plan is that we would live good lives, that we would participate in goodness in each and every action that we do, that we would live good lives as God's will. How many times have you heard Somebody, maybe a coworker, a family member, um, maybe you've asked this yourself. I like Jesus, but I just don't like Christians, or I just don't like the church. How many times have you, have you heard that argument against the church of like, yeah, Jesus is great. I mean, that guy did amazing things. He healed people, and he taught great lessons, and he just had like this wisdom and this aura about him. But the church, man, I, I have a lot of problems with the church. The goal for the church is to live like Jesus, to live good lives, to have the presence of, about us is that when the Christians show up, we know that they're gonna make a difference. When the Christians show up, they're gonna bring peace. When the Christians show up, they're gonna have a, a sense about them that everything is gonna be okay, that this is part of God's plan. Here's the thing, the world takes its notions of God, most of all from the people who say that they belong to the family of God. How the world... Um, around us sees the church, it comes from us. <laughs> because people outside the church, they read us a great deal more than they read the Bible. They also see us. It's much easier to believe in something that you see. They, they see us, they only hear about Jesus Christ. So are we living a good reflection? Are we living good lives that reflect who, who God is? Are we giving the world a good picture of who the God we serve is? It's not just about the way um, that you post on social media. It's not about um, the, the 
um, arguments you get into. It's about the way you live. And here's where it gets really fun. By living good lives, by giving the, the world a good picture of who God is, you silence the ignorance of foolish people. Don't raise your hand, but does anybody um, see foolishness around, around us today? A lot of ignorance around us today. And please don't look at your spouse right now. Or your kids. There's a lot of ignorance in our world. And God's promise that if the church would live good lives, that we would make a difference and that we would actually push back the ignorance and the foolishness of our world if we would go and live good lives in our daily lives. That if we would show up as ambassadors, show up as people appointed by God uh, in our lives, that the ignorance of our world would actually be silenced. And that would be such a good thing for our world. That'd be such a good thing uh, for those of, uh, those of our friends and our family and our, our neighbors who don't know Jesus, if we would go and live good lives and invite them to, to leave foolishness and invite them into the goodness of belonging to God's family. There's this proverb that says, for lack of fuel, a fire goes out. I think oftentimes in the secular um, line of thinking, in the, in the worldly line of thinking, we think if, if somebody attacks us or if somebody wants to argue on Facebook, like we have to prove our point. We have to argue. But scripture tells us don't fight fire with fire or don't add to the fire by pouring more, more fuel on it. Instead, just live good lives. Live good lives. A few weeks ago, I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine who's uh, a member of this church and he had found out about a need in the community. There's a, a lady here in Waxahachie who is, I think, in her 80, uh, she's 80 years old or so. And uh, she had this truck that didn't have AC. And in August in Texas, it's kind of an important thing. Even if you're just going to the pharmacy or going to the grocery store or wherever you're running errands, it's important to have AC. And so my friend had heard about that and he had lined up for a mechanic to, to be able to look at it and uh, diagnose a problem and, and fix it. So he had uh, asked me to, to meet him over at the mechanic shop and just give him a ride back to his truck after he dropped uh, this lady's truck off. And we got to talking on 287 Access Road uh, back over to her house. We were thinking about, talking about all the foolishness in our world, all the issues facing our world. And this is right after some things had happened in the Middle East that, that weren't great. Um, and and just, just kind of the chaos, the general chaos um, that we're fed every day, these issues that are in our face every day. Issues in our family, uh, issues on the news, issues that we, we wouldn't even know about if it wasn't just in our face all the time. And as we're driving and you kind of, if maybe you're there right now, but if you ever get into these conversations, you, you know, the mood just kind of is like, man, yeah, there's so much to deal with and there's so much to think about and there's so many opinions to have and what is the solution to all of this? And my friend said something very wise that, that I'm gonna hold to hopefully the rest of my life. He said, yeah, there's a lot of chaos in the world, but you know what? We just did something good. <laughs> Me and him, two people in the world who are never going to be recognized other than I'm telling you right now, um, who are never going to be recognized. We just did something good for somebody here in our own community. And that reaffirmed to me the mission of the church, that we would just live good lives. And yes, there's ignorance and foolishness and there's all this chaos out around us. But if we would just live good lives, we'd put, push that back we would stop hearing it, that we would actually make a difference. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 16, the next verse it says, live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover up for evil, but living as servants of God. Here's the good news. We can be freed. There's freedom from all the things happening around us. There is freedom from our own sin. There's freedom from our, our own entanglements. And as a believer, you are, you are freed. There was once a, a way of living where you're holding onto things and things were holding onto you and you couldn't get untangled. But God through, through Christ has made a way for us to live in freedom. That we don't have to be fake anymore. That we don't have to um, live this, um, this cover up anymore that we can just be who God has created us to be, that we could be free, that we can really walk the way that God wants us to walk. And genuine freedom liberates believers to do what is good. You don't have to live fake anymore. You don't have to have one hand holding you back and and one hand trying to do what is good. You can just let go. You can literally let go of the things that entangle you and you can live just in freedom. And here's the amazing thing about freedom. Freedom gives us the confidence to do what is right and good, no matter what the consequence is. True freedom, you can just do what is right and what is good because the consequences don't matter. When you're living in Christ, the consequences don't matter. You can do what is good and right, even if your boss looks down on you. You can do what is right and good at work, even if you don't get the promotion, because your identity as a follower of Jesus is not tied to a paycheck or a promotion. It's tied to who who Christ is and what he has done for you. It's about who you are and not about what you do. It's about doing the right thing each and every time, because the consequences don't matter. Your your thought process doesn't have to be, how will this be uh, translated to my boss or to my wife or to my teacher or whoever it might be. God has given us the freedom to live with genuine opportunities to do what is good. So what are we supposed to do with this freedom? How are we supposed to live good lives? What specific things are we assigned to do? The biblical word for assignment is a calling. What are we called to do? What is God calling the Avenue Church to do? What is God calling you as a follower of Jesus to do? And there's really, there's three different types of call on your life according to scripture. The first call, the first assignment is an eternal calling. It lasts forever. It's never ending. So the the clothes that you wear and the car that you drive and the home that you've built, all those things are um, temporary. The Bible says that they're a mist, a vapor. Our lives even, they'll one day be gone, but there's eternity on the hearts of every person. And so there's an eternal calling and that eternal calling is a calling towards Christ or a calling separated from Christ. In that assignment, in that calling, um, you have to make things right with Christ, accept his free gift. The Holy Spirit is doing work today all over the world to bring people to himself, to bring people uh, into this eternal calling that you're not just what you do today, but you actually will exist forever. And is that existing, is that, that, that time, is that with God or is that with, apart from God? So the first thing that we have to understand is that God doesn't want anybody to perish. His will is that we would do good and that nobody would perish. So God wants everyone to say yes to the extended invitation to the eternal calling with Christ. There's also a temporary calling. It's a specific but temporary calling. You may be called uh, to move to Ellis County from California, and that's a lot of you. 
a lot of you are from California, and we're glad that you're here. You may have a temporary specific calling to be a mom or a dad or a foster mom or foster dad. You may have a temporary calling to be married or to be single. Have a temporary calling to be a teacher or a police officer or a student. And yes, students, that temporary calling of school does end, but it leads you to something greater. There's a temporary calling for each and every one of us. And we can't say, man, I wish I had his temporary calling because his looks really fun. Or I wish um, my temporary calling wasn't so heavy. Our temporary callings lead us um, to, to live out good lives. And so in the temporary calling, I know some of you um, had this temporary calling of, of working in healthcare right now. And that's a really heavy uh, calling right now. There's this thing called compassion fatigue where it's just, you, you get overwhelmed by the needs and your temporary calling, you're, you're tired. You're ready for it to end. You're ready uh, not only to make a difference, but you're also for th- ready for things to be different. So here's what I wanna do. If you're um, serving as a healthcare worker in your temporary calling, God has assigned you to take care of other people and their health needs. If you're a healthcare worker, I want you to stand up real quick. Stay standing for just a second. Stay standing for just a second. If you're a healthcare worker, we wanna show our appreciation to you today and give you just a small gift from the Avenue Church. We don't take for granted what you do every day. And your temporary calling, living faithfully and caring for others is so important. So thank you for what you do. We have a small gift um, that we just want to show our appreciation to you for. These guys are going to give you a, a cup of coffee. Um, it's just one small way to say temporary callings are very specific. And they're also very difficult. Um, but we, we see you. We recognize your calling. We're thankful for your calling. You can have a seat. If you haven't got one yet, you can come to the hub after the service. So there's an eternal calling. There's a temporary calling. And then there's a daily calling. And the daily calling as followers of Jesus is to, to live good lives. Knowing that eternity is in our hearts and eternity lasts forever and knowing that there's a temporary calling and the temporary calling may not always be fun or may not always be uh, what we wished it was or we wish it might be different. Living in, in that as a daily, in a daily calling, this is where we make a difference. When you live out your temporary calling with this daily calling to follow Jesus and to consistently daily follow Jesus and live the life and live the example that he left for us, that's where you make a difference. As a mom, as a dad, as a teacher, as a police officer, as whatever the temporary calling place on your life right now, when you live that consistently and faithfully following and modeling the example of Jesus, that's when things start to change. And your individual story, I would argue, is much more powerful and makes a bigger difference than the collective story of the church. Your individual story, your individual calling, living faithfully as a follower of Jesus, that's what makes the difference. I was watching the Olympics, uh, probably too much of the Olympics, honestly, uh, when they were just on this summer. And man, I, I love the Olympics. Um, 
I don't ever care about swimming unless the Olympics are on. Um, I think swimming's great. I like the pool, but people getting in speedos and swimming is not my favorite thing unless the Olympics are on. And watching the Olympics, I think one of the, the things that draws me specifically into swimming is that uh, the NBC commentators or whoever is, is commentating, they tell such good stories about the swimmers themselves. So like, we know all these things about Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte. You probably know too much about that guy, but Caleb Dressel, uh, Katie Ledecky, we know these, these stories and we see these stories. And of course, as a citizen of the United States of America, I root for the red, white, and blue, but it's really the, the, <laughs> it's really the, the people, the, the Caleb Dressels and the Katie Ledeckys. And most recently, uh, Caleb Dressel became one of the most decorated swimmers of, of Olympic history. And watching his story just kind of unfold and hearing more of his story. And of course, this year during the Olympics, they, they didn't allow family and friends to travel to Tokyo to watch the Olympics. And so they had them on Zoom the whole time and they were watching from their home in Florida and they had like banners and they were cheering and it was all of his uh, closest uh, friends and, and their family. So they're, they're watching uh, Caleb swim. And he's swimming in one of these races, 50 meter freestyle or whatever that is. And he wins the gold medal. And afterwards, they interview him. And they've been telling, telling us about his wife, and they've been telling us about his mom and dad. And they've been telling us all these different elements to Caleb Dressel's story. And he wins the 50-meter freestyle race, and he comes into this interview. And there's just this moment where 1,000 miles away, they're, they're communicating on Zoom, and the family's cheering, and they're crying. And then Caleb's just overwhelmed with emotion too. And I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm, I'm starting to feel like that little thing in my throat that makes me want to cry. And I'm why am I crying? Why do I want to cry? I don't know this guy. I mean, he's one of however many gold medalists in this whole Olympics. Why is this story so impactful? It's because I knew his story. It's because they had told me his story. And I think in a similar way, we can do that. There's people that you know that I don't know that you could reach, that you could show the love of God much better than I could. Your individual story is so impactful. And when you live that story out successfully and well and faithfully in accordance with who, who Christ has called you to be, that makes a huge difference. The people who uh, don't know the avenue or who don't know Pastor David or don't know Pastor Zach and Ennis, but they see your life. And when your temporary calling is really tough, but they see how you handle it with peace and patience and kindness, that makes a huge difference. Your assignment to this daily calling is what makes a difference in our lives, makes a difference in our world. One warning I want to give about living good lives and doing good things and participating in serve day or volunteering here at the church, there's, there's this tendency for people to think that they can earn God's grace, that they can earn God's love. If I would just go to serve day, if I would just um, do good, a bunch of good things in my life, then God will love me more. Paul, another New Testament writer, he says, he saved us not because of uh, works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love. He's taken care of that. He sacrificed um, himself on the cross so that you could be made righteous. When we do good things, it's not our own righteousness. When we do good things, it's not our own goodness because apart from Christ, none of us are good. Apart from Christ, none of us are righteous, are, are, are righteous, but because of Christ's righteousness, we're able to participate in good things. 
And those good things don't earn you favor with God. They show that you know what God's grace is all about. You can live with confidence knowing that you have been set free so that the consequences you face for doing what is right and what is good and what is faithful to Jesus, you don't have to worry about those consequences. Back to Simon Peter, the man who wrote these two verses to a letter to a church in the first century in, Rome, in, um, in Turkey. Peter didn't get it. And then 30 years later, he writes this message of encouragement to the church saying, live good lives. I mean, based on 30 years ago, Peter wasn't living a great life. I mean, he was cutting people's ears off. He was saying no to Jesus. He was denying Jesus, not living a great life. But somehow, over 30 years, Peter was renewed. He was transformed. He was made different. Peter was also the guy who walked on water through faith. Pretty cool. Peter was also the leader of the disciples, the first disciple the disciple who, who was a leader of the other disciples. After Jesus was resurrected and spent some time with his disciples, he ascended into heaven and this, then this thing called Pentecost happened. That's where the Holy Spirit came down on the, the New Testament church and the first century church. And after Pentecost happened, Peter was standing in uh, Jerusalem, viewed with suspicion and hostility. And Peter stood boldly in front of 3,000 uh, people that day. And he told them about who Christ was and what Christ had done and that, that Christ was real, that he had lived and witnessed who, who Christ was. On that day, 3,000 Jews gave their life to Christ and accepted the message that Christ had promised, that he was the Messiah. Peter was the very first person to publicly and vocally say that that. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus had asked the people, who, who do others say that I am? Who do the, the outsiders say that I am? And, and Peter was the one to acknowledge that you are the Christ, you are the savior. Peter was used in amazing ways. He even brought a lady back to life. He was traveling and there's this lady named Dorcas who had died and what a terrible name. I'm sorry, I'm sorry if your name is Dorcas. I love you, this church loves you even though your parents didn't. He brought a lady back to life. He was walking after Jesus had ascended into heaven. He was just manifesting who God was, who Jesus was in everything he did. And he's walking and people would just want to be close to him like they were close to Jesus. They would want to get in his shadow thinking that he had some mysterious power to heal them or to, to fix them. But Peter was just living out his daily calling. He was a fisherman. But God called him and assigned him into a task. And through that task, Peter made a huge difference. Even today, we're gathered as a church because of Peter's work in the first century building the church. Jesus made this proclamation that you, Peter, which means rock, on this rock, I will build my church. So we stand on the legacy of Peter, one person, a fisherman from nowhere who made a difference, who lived out his daily calling faithfully. And my prayer is that as a church and as individuals, that we would live our stories like Peter lived his. That yeah, we've been a mess and we've made mistakes and we've been the one who's been, been participating in foolishness. But at some point, Christ's mercy, through his mercy, we've been made different to make a difference. So maybe today you're a follower of Jesus, but you've been participating in foolishness. You're a follower of Jesus, but you've been participating, participating in ignorance. The invitation still exists for you to just to turn your life 
back to Christ. Just as Peter did, going from slicing off a guy's ear to encouraging the New Testament church and churches from every generation since then to live good lives. Or maybe today, you've never said yes to the eternal calling that Christ has extended to us. The, the calling, the assignment of eternity, that we have eternity in our hearts and we have to say yes to, to Christ to be with him forever. It's real simple just to acknowledge that, that you need a savior, that, that Christ is enough, that Christ um, is the one who has secured eternity and heaven for us. So just say yes to him, acknowledge that you need him. I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the individual lives and the collective story we get to tell of Christ's goodness to our community. My prayer is that our community in Ennis and Waxahachie and all around Ellis County, that people would see this church as a a city on a hill, a light that cannot be hidden, a place of hope and peace and joy, a place that represents Christ to a world that when they see us, they know that Christ is who he says he is because of the way that we live. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of tension, in the midst of really heavy things in our world, that we would live out our daily calling with confidence to know that we've been liberated, we've been set free, that we can live with confidence to do what is right and to do what is good, no matter the consequence. Let's pray. God, primarily, I thank you for your goodness. God, it's your goodness in our church. It's your goodness in our world that makes the difference. God, thank you for allowing us to participate with you, to be on mission, to be assigned roles and responsibilities to show your goodness to the world. And God, our hope is that by living good lives and by participating in your mission, God, others would see you through us. God, I thank you for the ways that you will bless the 10,000 hygiene kits that this church put together. God, I know that you will use those to bring peace and hope to people in desperate situations. God, I pray that you'll use our individual stories just to reach people and to bring people closer to yourself. God, that they would see our lives and be a reflection of you and for your glory. God, we love you. Thank you for your goodness. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Our hope is that this message inspires you to encounter Jesus and find a better way to do life. We'd love to hear from you and get you connected on your journey. Visit theavenuechurch.com slash connect to get started. To hear the latest from us, don't forget to subscribe. See you soon.